This is Dom Bettinelli, the CEO of SQPN, with a brief but very important message. For more than a decade, SQPN has produced the Catholic faith and pop culture podcasts that you love. We're a nonprofit organization, so it's only your generosity that lets us carry out our mission. We haven't run a fundraiser in two years, and that's why we need to ask for your help right now. Please make a pledge of whatever amount you can afford to help us continue providing your favorite podcasts, as well as exciting new ones we have planned. To make your pledge and find out about the free thank you gifts we'd like to send you, visit sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give. Thank you for your generosity. May we hear from you today? You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Firefly, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this TV show. Joining me today on the panel are Maria Johnson. Hi, Maria. Hi, guys. It's a pleasure to be here, as always. As always. Uh, Shelly, Kelly, how are you? Doing great, Dom. Thanks so much. And Mac Barron. Hello. Hello. I aim to make some trouble. (laughs) so uh, i have to say that the idea for doing this episode came from a listener actually who uh sent an email and said someday could you please do a secrets of firefly and i said that is a great idea and i'm not sure why we didn't think of it uh before uh and so we decided to do that uh so secrets of firefly this is uh we're going to talk about the 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 whole 15 episode uh season the uh maybe a little bit about the movie but we're not going to like do any part of the whole thing too much uh we're going to talk from a high level and you know hey if things go well we may you know come back and do a say 15 16 episode secrets of firefly series uh so let us know what you think when uh when when we're all said and done if you'd like to hear more about firefly before we get into that uh as i usually do i want to remind you to like Secrets of Movies and TV Shows on Facebook. As we post the show on Facebook, go to the SQPN Facebook page and like the like and share the show there to retweet it on Twitter if you can. Uh, write a comment. Subs- make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I mean, that's if you've got to listen to it, you've got to subscribe to it and get it uh, on your phone or on your computer. So subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, tune in your favorite podcast app. Even on YouTube, we, we post it there as a, audio only video uh but some people like to listen to it there and if you do uh subscribe on youtube hit the bell to get the notifications so you know when we post it and then please share the podcast with your friends to help us grow the community of listeners reach more people that's what we're here for and we really appreciate it uh one other just note business note before we get going uh sqpn is in the midst of our giving campaign uh we are a nonprofit organization we're focused on uh, bringing, like, how do I put it? <laughs> I always I say this a uh, hundred times a day, and I have trouble saying it. But what I want, what I mean to say is, uh, SQPN is a nonprofit that focuses on the intersection between faith and pop culture. When we discuss the secrets of Firefly, we're talking about it as fans, but we're also coming at it from a particular viewpoint of uh, Catholic Christians. And sometimes that comes into uh, into play. And we look at things from that point of view. We're not 
you know, digging into it and saying, oh, this is clearly a theological point. We don't do that stuff, as you, as you know from listening. But what we're trying to do is just trying to build bridges and have fun. And if you like the shows that we're doing, if you like Secrets of Movies and TV Shows, Secrets of Star Trek, Secrets of Doctor Who, and our, our newest show, Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World, which is going gangbusters. People love it. Um, please help us continue you know, we've we rely on listeners like you to to do this. The fact is, is to do this many shows that we do and the amount of work that we do requires at least one full time person. And that's me. Uh, and plus, we have to pay for hosting and for equipment and for software and for lots of other things that go into this. And so um, if you can help us, we'd appreciate it. Uh, it. It helps us continue. If you like these podcasts, help them continue by going to sqpn.com slash give. Click on the Patreon button there, become a patron. And if you become a patron, you can, uh, there are at certain levels, there are, we have gifts available for people uh, in different categories. Something from Doctor Who, something from Star Trek, something from Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World, uh, different books and other items. So please go to sqpn.com slash give uh, and uh, we greatly appreciate it. All right. Business is out of the way. Are you done? Are you done paying the bills? Can we talk about this show now? Hey, hey if if everyone runs out and gives uh, enough to to clear us for the for our giving campaign, I will next week. I won't talk about any of that because I don't want to talk about it. But uh, I want to talk about Firefly. So, uh, for those of you who maybe younger and don't remember firefly was a tv show that aired on the fox network in 2000 starting in 2002 september 2002 it premiered uh by joss whedon was the producer back when he was only known for buffy the vampire slayer and uh only i say but you know after that he became the marvel uh um, king of uh, marvel movies but uh he started this show it was an unusual sci-fi show. It aired on the Fox network and it only lasted 15 episodes. And yet we're talking about it here 17 years later. Uh, so it the, the quick recap is it's a future, a future that looks a lot like the past. It's a future version of post-Civil War America where former rebels from the defeated side try to make their way in a galaxy run by their former enemies. Um, so that sort of idea. We can get into the details of exactly how they the premise of it. But but why are we still talking about this 17 years later? What made this show, this this canceled show after just a few episodes, stick with us so long? What, what do you what do you all think? Uh, Maria, I'll, I'll go to you first. What do you think is the why we're doing this? Why this is still here? I think it's because of the compelling characters. I mean, the storylines are great. The concept um, reminds me a little bit of what uh, Roddenberry said was the concept for Star Trek, which was wagon train in the stars but actually this is wagon train in the stars <laughs> it is a cowboy movie in the, right in its practicality but but it's the characters i love the characters and i can't get I, I can't wait to get into talking about them because for me uh the relationships and the um i don't know i guess the 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 ensemble is is what really drives it okay how about you mac why uh why is why is this endured for you uh it's the it's as marie said it I'll add to that the space Western is, is sort of unique enough, but then you have these characters that they're not just, they're not just wrote. You don't have, I mean, it's not the cast of friends where you have to have a male idiot and a female idiot, you know, and you <laughs> right. have to match these people up together though. That does happen. 
I mean, you do have these tropes, like there's a Sam and Diane dynamic going on, and you do have a character who is funny, but then you have characters, you have uh, real people of faith in the midst of this uh, sort of compelling <laughs> milieu. I mean, they're out in space and they're doing train jobs. And so it's like Ocean's <laughs> Eleven meets <laughs> Battlestar Galactica meets Cheers meets all these different things that you know and love. And it's just lightning in a bottle. And then you have really charismatic actors pulling off very compare, very uh, compelling characters. So it's just, it's all of these things together. And then they made a movie. And so whenever you make a movie about it, everything's even prettier than it was in the sort of low budget television show. It it just all adds up to, I want more. I want to watch it again. This was the best homework I've ever had in my life, going back and looking at a couple episodes. Uh, How about you, Shelley? What is it about the show that endures for you? Well, I agree with them about the characters, but I also have to say it's the world building. It's the way Mm. he's able to create a world that you could picture even when the TV's off. You you think about it. You imagine what would you be like in that world? Where would your character fit in? Would you be on the ship? Um, It kind of opens the door for people who like cosplaying or uh, the fandom fan writing uh, that they want to put themselves in it. And one of the things I've noticed with TV shows, because um, I used to watch a lot of soap opera, is when you've got storylines you want to move forward, you change the characters from their core beliefs and values. He just doesn't do that with the show. He writes the characters first. It's almost like he he defined them. And they can grow and evolve as they relate to one another and become a family on the ship, because that's really, they become a family on the ship. But whatever scenario he puts them in, whatever the plot is that he's creating, they're reacting and responding in that character. Their character doesn't change unless it's an organic evolution of the person in response to what's going on and how they're interacting with each other. There's no gratuitous just you know, for the sake of a dramatic moment, I'm going to make this person do this crazy thing. Uh, because it's sci-fi and I can I can justify it. it. You're right. You're right. And I agree with all those things. It's the characters. It's the world building. It's the. Uh, but the other thing I want to add one more element. I think it's the writing as well. The dialogue is snappy. It's funny. It's 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 just so clever. It's on point. I, I was watching the 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 uh, the premiere episode, the, what should have been the premiere episode, we'll talk, we can talk about that if we want to, uh, called, it was called Serenity, not to be confused with the movie called Serenity, and the pacing was incredible. It just, yeah. it, they put so much into just that two-part episode, and ev- and everything fit, and it didn't feel rushed, and everything just boom, 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 and we got the Reavers, we got Anara, we got yeah. we got introduced to every to nine characters. Yeah, Dom. I listen. I think you're you're totally on point. I, I watched that the other day, thinking this is this is a nearly perfect pilot. I mean, this lays so much groundwork in a way <laughs> that doesn't feel like it's laying groundwork. It feels like a fun action adventure with these people that I want to spend more time with right now. Right. And and what you guys said about world building, when you match, and, and I heard somebody else say the other day, and it sounds so high, uh, highfalutin, it was like uh, specificity is the soul of narrative. Maria, <laughs> have you heard that before? 
Uh, oh, I, no, but I want to steal it. <laughs> All right. So, but think about, I mean, simply the language, not just how snappy the dialogue is, but the, the way, the turn of phrases that Joss Whedon is able to use, that is, it's almost a shortcut to depth and it comes off as insanely clever when somebody like Matthew or Nathan Fillion says it, right? Combine that with this, the world building of the Chinese influence of the right. world and the future of, of using curse, using Chinese as curse words, right? Right. And then you have all these sort of visual touches that, that lead us to understand this strange thing that's happened in the past. Whatever's happened has this insanely Chinese influence over it, right? And, and what we know about the world today and not just in the modern geopolitics, but 20 or maybe he was prescient in this sort of 20 years ago, being able to see the enormous Asian influence that was going to be, you know what I mean? So it, it creates not just a world and here's the real beauty of it. It creates mythos. Right. From right. what has happened to the galaxy, like to make it this way, it's not it's supposed to look like Star Trek. And instead it looks like the old West combined with that, cultural influence that we're not quite ready for when we start the first episode combined with things like the Reavers. I mean, that is perfect mythos to build in right there in your pilot and an unreasonable villain, right? like an unreasonable malevolent force that is going to cause havoc. And that is the perfect narrative device that lays the groundwork for later on. And eventually the movie, obviously the movie it plays a huge part in, but man, it's just fantastic. Yeah, the Reavers are right. Well, they, they, pu they pull off the great. The they pull they, off the, they the, pull off the great. Yeah, they pull off the great uh, villain in, right. in the Reavers. Right. They, yeah. They they failed in, in other in other sci fi shows. They they just they fail. Um. It. it I know That's that the, yeah, there yeah. was some yeah, yeah. Reaver like there was a Reaver like uh, villain in uh, Voyager that was like oh. Yeah, the, the, the flesh eating people or whatever. Well, yeah, the Vidians or the yeah, the, yeah. They try Star Trek tried over and over again to have that that great villain. I mean, I remember the we we just talked about this in Secrets of Star Trek. Uh, the 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 uh, encounter at Farpoint, the first episode of Next Generation, we're introduced to that cannibalistic, perhaps uh, strange alien race, the Ferengi. We're supposed to be afraid of. <laughs> I mean, if there was ever a more clownish comic villain, yeah, no. yeah, I mean, but but here, I mean, the there are multiple bad guys here. Of course, there's the Alliance that are bad guys. Yeah. There are gangsters that are bad guys. We'll, we'll eventually get Nishka, the, the yeah, blue hands, the blue hand guys. Mm -hmm. But but the, oh, again with the mythology. I mean, right, that's great. Yeah. But yeah, this, yeah. but as Mac, as you point out, the Reavers they they just kind of exist out there as this almost animalistic, chaotic force that just is kind that of somehow managed to master space travel. <laughs> but they're, they're, they have more depth than just that. They're evil personified, but not yeah. just evil. They're the evil within. They're man, right? Morphed into Reavers. Yeah, I mean, there's they, like that's three the most terrifying levels. thing. It's yeah. like there's this whole inner evil that could just come out and there'd be nothing good left. And they, they talk about that in different episodes. I mean, or maybe it's the movie. I haven't rewatched the well, movie yet. It does come out in the movie. The The whole origin of the Reavers is the sort of the crux of the movie um, and gives us the, the, the crux of what's going on with uh, River, which I want to come back to because I want right. to talk about the characters 
Um, but but first, maybe I think we should talk about just how um, just quickly how Fox screwed up this <laughs> TV series that could have been great. Uh, that should have they had canceled it. Yeah. Seven seasons. <laughs> it should have been seven we're seasons. All so yeah. I think that that's going to be a good discussion. <laughs> so one of the one of the things that they did was they said that they wanted uh, Whedon to change Mel for in because in the pilot, he was too uh, dark and dour. They wanted to make him more joy filled, which kind of what? missed the point. Um, and then they were they were upset that the show focused on the poor people uh, who are who are suffering from the effects of the 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 policymakers. They wanted the show to focus on the policymakers, the the Federation president sort of stuff. Um, and, and because that worked out so well in the Star Wars prequels. Go ahead. <laughs> exactly. Which were going on at that time. Um, and then the so so they meddling within the, within the making of the show and Whedon wouldn't go with it, obviously, which I'm for which I'm grateful. But then the the the. The, the crowning jewel of their idiocy was they aired it out of order. Instead of having the pilot be the first episode, that they decided that the train job was much more fun and light and would attract an audience much better than this dour uh, serenity premiere that actually tells you everything you need to know about the show. And so we kind of start with train job and it's all out of order. They kind of mix everything up. And then we get we don't get to the pilot until like the 11th episode. And we, and I remember watching it going, wait a minute. W w don't they already like what is this is a flashback? Like, what? why are we seeing this? Uh, and it, it confused the audience. It aired in a bad time slot. Uh, I mean, just, just Fox. <laughs> I think this was like the second time that Fox had totally messed up a, a sci fi series. Uh, the one before that, which was actually about five or six years before that was. Um, Space Above and Beyond, another show that was like this. It was about uh, Marines, U.S. Marines in space uh, in war. And it was it was dark. It had, you know, combat, you know, uh, guys suffering from combat uh, 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 PTSD. PTSD. Thank you. And, and other issues like that. And it was dark and it was heavy, uh, but it was firmly in the sci fi and they totally ruined it. And they, they ended up canceling it too soon. Uh, you know, maybe they've gotten better over the years, but this was, I think the uh the height of fox totally screwing up post x-files uh floundering about trying to figure out what they were doing i mean that's that's just, my take on it just goes to show that you that's don't let the it. suits make the decisions you let the producers and the actors and the the director the person who created the show make the decisions well right. it should have been a it should have been apparent when the suits came in and they were wearing blue gloves that <laughs> <laughs> they need to keep their hands off this not going to work out well for anyone that's where was River Can cannibalist <laughs> cannibalizing the uh, the episodes? Right. Oh, I should have at least the River's on the outside. <laughs> yeah. Did, so. did y'all watch it in in its original run? I did. I I, I did. did. I yeah. did. I remember. I remember watching the 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 train heist one and going, "Oh, well, this could be interesting." Did I miss something? <laughs> exactly <laughs> the same. If, yeah. You too. You have the same experience. Yeah. yeah. So. Yes. I well, you know it's funny. I heard I had a friend go see the movie and, and she was telling me about it. And I was at the library and saw the the novelization. And I didn't want to read the book until I'd, I I sort of then found out there was this TV series. So I started getting the TV series and watching it first before I would watch the movie because I figured the movie would tire wrap things up. 
But until then, I didn't even know the store. I didn't know it had already been canceled. I didn't know. So I picked it up after the movie had been in theaters. Interesting. All I so then you really it. had that no <laughs> yes, moment. I oh, had a right? total no moment. All and I then, knew. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Also, it's I have it on DVD. I don't have it digitally. So this homework was a challenge for me because <laughs> I had to get the littlest kid in bed and still be awake enough to sit on the couch and and try and watch it. You know, and with with work and everything going on, I was like, okay, I got to sit down and watch. I gotta watch Firefly. I can't wait to watch Firefly. All the teenagers, get out of this room. I need this one room. It's the only room with a DVD player still in it. (laughs) (laughs) All I knew about it was it was that show where people had pistols and with the weird looking spaceship. Right. (laughs) It was on and I was doing other things in life. I think it was a first year teacher around that time. But anyway, it was so I had no time for that. Um, And then we caught up on it on DVD later on and it was just fantastic but speaking uh, that kind of brings me to one of the one of the points that i wanted to talk about is these shows creature design slash production design is such a strange thing to get wrong or right and why this works i have no idea it's same thing about the star trek production design like there's something so iconic about star trek ships this humongous disc sitting forward with these with these big engines in the back. It looks like it shouldn't stand upright. And I bet you if you took one of the models and set it upright, it, it would fall over, right? Right. And there's something about the design of this ship, and it kind of looks like a firefly. You know, it's got this butt end that's kind of bulbous and, you know, mm-hmm. lights up. But there's something so wonderful, like there's something so crazy about the design of that ship with these engines that when they... On the first episode, when they do that crazy Ivan thing, you go, oh, that's so great. <laughs> like, I have I have a keychain that's got serenity on the end of the keychain, and it fell off long ago. Really? And now, now it sits outside my office with my other little Metal Earth figures. But, like, the neck of the ship is so, like, muscular. And it's, it's just such an odd, wonderful-looking design of a vessel. And there's... And that is so key. Like that itself, it is a character in yes. the show. I was just about yeah, to say right. that. It's, it's right. like the Millennium Falcon or yes, your Star exactly. Trek show, the Enterprise. Exactly. It yeah. is a character. It is alive. They refer to it as if it's a real person or a real part of the family. I mean, Kaylee, when she's, she's you know, she's not moving. And you think she's talking mm-hmm. about Zoe in one yes. episode, one scene. And she's not. She's talking about her ship. Right. And it's. It's the way she relates to it. You know, when they designed it, just did you see the the? Fr- go ahead, go ahead. I I I loved the uh, the scene in in the in the train episode mm-hmm. when when the when Serenity is flying up above the train and you have this this contrast of this they're both in the future but you got the past in the future right. going on there and it's really visually very very beautiful to see. You know, when Joss Whedon has talked about how how he designs the the ship, he he was very intentional that about where things were located and that everything in the design was true from the exterior. So the layout, everything, every place you see on that ship is 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 thought out where it exists within the the act the design we see on screen in the the model. And it, so he wanted to make sure that every time they shot something, it felt true that they were going to an actual place on the ship. But also the way it, the, the different parts of it, the dorm where the passengers live, where where uh, Book and River and Simon live. And then the the 
the, the common area, which is the sort of the dining room where the family gathers for a meal and, and all of these different places within the ship. There, there, everything had a reason for being where it was and what kinds of things would take place in, in those spaces. And I think that's one of the things that lends, uh, you know, something to the show that makes the, the ship part of the show, part of a, as a character, uh, because it feels real. It feels important that it's, yeah. that is where, it, where things are and that things take place here. And that touches on the world building and the wonderful balance of specificity with sci-fi. Right. You can't explain everything like gravity. They don't they never try to explain how their ship has gravity. And that's fine. But they do show Mal using the toilet and then flipping the toilet up and pulling (laughs) the sink out you know, and still having room to move around. And, you know, it shows Kaylee's Christmas lights that she has around her hatch. And it shows her climbing down into the hatch. So you're right that that specificity of knowing geographically where everything is on the ship is wonderful. And you think about a show like The Office. I was probably in season seven of The Office before I I realized the geographical location of the annex. Like, you know, (laughs) it's somewhere back there. But where's the kid? Like, where did like where is Toby's where's Toby's cubicle? in comparison with the kitchen. Like, it never really made sense to me. But you go through five minutes of Firefly, and you know where everything on that ship is. Right. But didn't didn't they film that? Wasn't the ship set to scale? Wasn't it a, a full set piece where yes. you had the whole ship? Yes. They had the whole ship at all times. So usually, like, say, in Star Trek, they have a bridge set, and then they they walk across to, another, to the other side of the soundstage and then there's a corridor that's totally disconnected and then they have another and they rebuild it to make a holodeck and all that sort of stuff and nothing is really connected but Whedon wanted to make sure that that he knew that it would change the way they played the the characters and 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 played the show if they could walk around in the ship as it exists so they built it to scale on the soundstage which is one of the reasons why the ship is such a small ship is because it had to fit inside a soundstage. And so they built all the sets as permanent setups, uh, and which uh, was a challenge for them filming it because usually they, they, you know, a film crew, they can take big parts of it down and put up lights and cameras and all this other stuff. Well, they didn't have that option. It was more like they were filming in a house or, you know, or an office building uh, like that where you had to deal with the, the space that you have. Uh, and yeah, I think that adds a lot to it, but by the fact that the, the actors feel like, they're in the place that they're pretending to be in. I think it's just brilliant. It's one of the, again, one of those reasons why I think this show just, just had that something special. Let's, I, I think I read somewhere also that the crew used to actually hang out in the lounge in between takes. So yes. it, it became very much a home, not just a set. It, it, it became alive again. Right. Right. Um, let's talk about the characters. Um, let's start with, Captain Malcolm Reynolds or off the bat. Um, and he's a he's a, a brown coat, which is he was one of the 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 rebels. Uh, you had the plucky outer systems, uh, uh, independent minded settlers who wanted to throw off the shackles of the inner planets, the wealthy, uh, not connected to what's going on out there, to the people who are scrabbling just to get by. And they they, they had a rebellion and he was part of that rebellion and what I, I like about him is that he was on the losing side. Like there's for, for Mal, it seems that you like life is a long defeat. 
no matter how much he gets or what success he has, it's never really enough because he knows he's never a he's never really going to succeed enough where he can just, you know, be ha- be happy with what he's got because he's always waiting for something that the other shooter dropped for him to lose it, have it taken away or or what have you. And it's so that's one aspect of his character. But the other aspect is, even though he's a, he's this is where the the Han Solo comparisons come in. He's a man of honor in a den of thieves. You know, he he has certain moral standards. Yeah, he's a smuggler. Yeah, he's a thief. Yeah, he'll shoot a guy if he needs to. But he has certain moral code. <laughs> you, Yeah, here's the moral code. That ain't right. Somebody tries to kill you. You try to kill him right back. <laughs> oh, I don't know. He, he didn't he didn't go in. Uh, he was still willing to go meet. Uh, what was her name? What was her name? Uh, the one who tried to. Didn't she try to kill you, sir? Um, Saffron. Oh, no, no. Patience. 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 Thank you. Why is everybody making a fuss? Yeah, she tried to shoot me. So what? <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that when River uh, first meets him, she 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 defines his name. She says, Mal, bad from the Latin. Yeah. And uh, and it's and it's not. And he's not. He's not a bad guy. Exactly. He's a good guy. Right. I mean he's he should be wearing he should be in a white coat, not a brown coat. <laughs> no, well, sorry, and, bad. And he's Failed, failed joke there. Narratively, (laughs) it's a brilliant idea to give you a perpetual underdog. Yes. Yes. And that extends to the whole crew, Mm -hmm. really. But but obviously the central figure is is Mal. And and then we have um, Zoe, who was he was a sergeant and she was his corporal. And they were both at this Battle of the Serenity Valley, which was the defining losing battle for their their side and and he names the ship after this after this this low point in life uh where where they they lost you know definitively lost this 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 war and there's zoe and i the thing i love about zoe is she's intensely loyal to mal she's uh she you know she will follow him to the gates of hell and back uh but she's also married to wash the pilot and they and there's that that tension in her, you know. Well, she's, okay, let, let me get, please, 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 please let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> of course, what I this is why I, I I think of this as like a near perfect pilot, and I think this could be used to teach screenwriting and especially character development because of the dynamics. You want to introduce a group of characters with dynamics, and this backstory that sets the stage. Because think about what you said. You got Mal, all right, that loss at the Battle of Serenity sets him up as your perpetual underdog. It establishes the loyalty of Zoe. It also establishes Mal, the Mal's chip that he has on his shoulder about faith in God. Yes. Which is perfect because you're going to introduce a character of faith. So you've got tension going on there. Then, coupled with that, you've got Zoe the Badass, right? who falls and is married to, and you don't even need the courtship to believe the relationship to the, he's not the Joey character, but he's, because he's brilliant, right? Yes. Truly talented. You got Wash, who is so stinking funny, played by the brilliant, um, is it Alan Tudyk? Alan Alan Tudyk, yeah. Mm -hmm. Alan Tudyk. Who who has never told an untruth and never not made me laugh on (laughs) on screen, right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And so there's that there's a natural 
and and I don't know if Maria, maybe you can help me out. It's it's not necessarily a tension. It is a it's a subversion, really. I don't I don't know what you'd call it. That dynamic between Zoe and Wash uh, that narratively it it doesn't it shouldn't fit, but it totally does. I would absolutely call it attention because it provides it provides more in in the uh, in the undercurrent that you get of of uh, of Wash's insecurity about the relationship that that Mal and Zoe have. And you know, he is it comes out every once in a while. And later in, in the series you yeah. see it more, but but it's it's human and that's what and that's what uh I mean about loving these characters is that there's everything about them is plausible. Yes. Everything about yes. them is believable. You know, the setup about we didn't need to see their courtship to believe that they're that they're married is so true, but it's so true of all the other characters. And it doesn't have to make sense because the thing about fiction is that it doesn't actually have to be real. It's actually easier for it not to be real. And we still find it plausible. Real life is crazier. Right. Um, but you look at, you look at these characters and you think that's insane. How, how is it possible for these characters to come together and gel as a family? Um, and it's because the writing is plausible. They're believable and we fall in love with them. I mean, I could, all of them could be my friends. I would love (laughs) to be their friends. I would have loved to have been in, you know, in any, in in any one of their scenarios. And so when you can step into the, into the uh, storyline and imagine yourself in it, you've got a hit. And they're all, they're all wonderfully flawed characters. Exactly. Because they're individual human beings. Yes. And they're not written perfect. And I hadn't really thought about it until now. You guys have probably totally wrapped your heads around this. But the entire, not just the premise of the show, but almost every single character in the show, it's all built on a subversion of expectations. Yes. From the, right. I mean, it, it is, it's sci-fi, but it's retro sci-fi, right? Right. Right. Mal's a captain of the ship, but he's a, he's a, 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 like you said, he's a man of honor in a den of thieves. You know, Zoe and Wash shouldn't make sense, but they do. You've got the um, and that, among apparently among the most brilliant people in the universe is completely broken because right. of what what has been done to her. Right. right. And right. You, you've got right. a pretty unlikable character in the doctor who you feel for because all he wants to do is to keep someone safe. And then you've got a Nora and Mal. And then then you've got class. You've got statements about class between mm-hmm. the doctor who Mal constantly makes fun of because of his soft hands and paley complexion and all this stuff, right? <laughs> and obviously moneyed with with against Mal. And then there's the Anora factor, you know, where she's she is cultured and she's elegant, but she frankly she's a whore. You know, so it's right. all of these subversive. Oh, you can't say you that. Can't You're not supposed that. to call her that. You can't call her that. She's a prostitute. That was in her contract. <laughs> that was it. That's right. <laughs> but you know, you're also missing. You're also missing Kaylee. Now Kaylee. that I think about yeah. it, that's yeah. in yeah. contrast. Mm-hmm. Kaylee and Simon is the same kind of messy contrast that Inara and Mal. Um, yes. Are. Well, and even Kay- Kaylee. Don't you think? Kaylee and herself. This, yeah. Yeah. Kaylee. Kaylee herself. is a mess. She's well, this. She's yeah. this image of innocence. But she ain't innocent. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And she's, oh no, that's <laughs> yes. But she's also well, she ended up on the ship. She ended up on the ship because she was there with the other guy. She's wise beyond her years, though, when it comes to mechanics. Right? She's a sweet, innocent, happy-go-lucky, always positive, always loving, and she's Scotty. Like she could, she could, she could 
take the ship apart and rebuild it with her bare hands. I mean, she uh, again under uh, undermining your expectations. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if there's anybody like Shepherd so it- Shepherd Book is the man of faith with a past who apparently is a lot more capable of mm-hmm. things that and recognizes things that Mal can do that that then the more than you realize. Uh, the only one that really you kind of wonder about is Jane. Like, how does Jane fit in all this? Because anybody Jane have- does not subvert expectations. <laughs> Jane is what he is. No. <laughs> Jane is what he is. Although later hey, on, so he gets. Look, can, he- can I tell? OK, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted to dial it back until yes. uh, I came up with a literary thing that you were searching for earlier, um, Mac. They represent the dichotomy of the human condition. The, mm. the both and. The both How do you like and. that? That is deep. Mm. The <laughs> both and. Yeah. Shiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, shiny. Shiny. <laughs> I, I, know was, I was shooting for the head, but uh, yeah. One of, my, one of my favorite scenes with Zoe that really, I think, personifies her relationship with the captain and with her husband is the episode, I can't remember the name, but where, where they've both been taken. War oh, stories. We won't go into the details, right? Yeah. But um, there's a scene where she walks in and, and there's always tension between her and Wash about her unwavering faith and devotion and loyalty to Mal. Because Wash doesn't know. He wasn't in the battle. He wasn't there. He, he can't know. And And for the record... Mal didn't lose in the Battle of Serenity. Mal was winning. And the angels were coming to save them. The angels were coming to finally, you know, put the the screws to to the alliance. And this was going to be their victory moment. And that's when they got the call. He was betrayed. Command says it's too hot. They're going to pull it pull out and you have to lay down arms. And he's like, are you kidding me? I'm winning. We're we're winning. And you're so it was an ultimate betrayal for him. So he has no no grounding anymore he has he's been against the alliance the 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 rebellion or the independence has has betrayed him and the only one who has stood by him is zoe but anyway there's that scene where she goes in and they've got both mal and wash and they're like you can only have one of them and she doesn't even hesitate i don't even think she takes a breath it's the most brilliant moment after all these years (laughs) since i've seen that episode I it's it's the one that I always come back to when I think of the relationship of Zoe and Mal and Wash. Yeah, there's not even a hesitation in in who she chooses. No, and it's, and, and it subverts the expectation that you have of most TV where she's going to agonize. Nope. No, no, no. agonize. And, and that's what's great yeah. about some of these characters. They don't agonize. Jane, he'll think about it. He'll, he'll <laughs> take, well, is the money right? Do I get my own room? I, but but Mal, when he walks on the ship, I mean, he'll he he's got that code of conduct. He's a man of honor. We've said but he he'll 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 watch. He's real steady. He's very savvy. But when he makes up his mind, it's done. He walks on that ship and the feds, you know, the federal guy Dobson is there. He doesn't even hesitate. He just looks, sizes it up. Boom, it's done. We keep moving on. Right. And there's so much about Mal's character explained when when in that last conversation with Simon in what should have been the pilot that episode first, because it tells you who he is. If I kill you, you're going to be standing up, holding a gun, facing me. You'll know it. There's there's no sneaking about. I'm very direct. I'm very what you right. see is what you get. There's there's that great scene uh, that, again, where you show uh, Mal is kind of the father of this crew because uh, it's a family. And then Whedon has very clearly said this is a show about about a family. And there's a great moment in the pilot where they're sitting around the table and 
uh, Jane makes uh, a crack at Kaylee, who's sort of mooning over Simon. Mm. And 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 Mal just tell, tells him, you best walk away. <laughs> In his best Southern dad uh, voice, you best walk away from this table. And very doesn't doesn't threaten him, doesn't say anything. And Jane, who, you know, is is the heavy. He walks away because <laughs> he knows where he stands in this. And it's it's a great again, a great character moment where less was more. It doesn't have to be bluster. You don't have to say lots. You just less was more. Um, let's talk about uh, uh, we'll come back to Jane uh, a little bit, but let's talk about Shepard book. Um he uh, when he when he's introduced, he's you know he tells him I've I've come from South Down Abbey. Um, I've decided to go out and see the world uh, again. You'll see the see the the, the various worlds, and um, uh, he has a, he has these moral qualms about falling in with thieves. He's he the, the first time we see him, he's kind of wandering on the docks looking for a ship to, that'll carry him out. And Kaylee says you know call, says to him you you're going to travel with us. And he's like, oh, and why would that be? Because you're not looking at where the ships are going. You're looking at the ships themselves. And there's this, this, there's something to book. There's this something to Shepard. And he is this, he's a mystery. And I don't know that we, I don't try to remember now if we ever get. We don't get his background. Yeah. No. I don't think we ever it's got the that. The one hanging piece that I just hate that he never expounded on. Who wasn't? Who was Shepherd Book, and what was his role before he went to the Abbey? Right. Yeah. What but drove do him you? There? Do you really hate it? That's what's <laughs> wonderful. I, I I hear what I you're mean, saying, but there's, yeah, a, there's that great I do, conversation. And, and I hear what you're saying. Because mm, yeah. you still got that all open, but but there's but, a there's a lot yeah. of both and in there. He's, <laughs> he's got a he's got a heck of a past. Well, yes. and even even the name. I wasn't I mean, always a shepherd. I mean, even the name is his name. Like, is that a title? So I guess t- shepherd is a, is a title. Right. Like pastor. The at the time. Yeah. Right. But shepherd book. Right. You know, in Christianity and Islam and Judaism, they're all religions of the book. So in, in a name, you're sending a cultural reference to the audience who's listening. Even if they don't realize it, there's something deep inside us that knows that this isn't a mamby-pamby, this isn't like a pseudo-religion or some new-agey thing. We're talking old-school religion with this dude, right? right? Not only visually. I mean, obviously, he's wearing... Um, Clerics. A, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then the name, right? And then, obviously, we see him reading scripture sometimes. Uh, and so it's a wonderful character and a character that never betrays his faith. And there's there's an image that that is not betrayal, but... I think is problematic in that first pilot that maybe we'll get to later, but, but he's a great character. And not only that, but you see him lifting weights, you see him taking action. He's not just sitting around praying all the time. Right. So it's a fantastic character. And he's also flawed, but I also want to talk about a a flaw. Well, I I don't know that it's a flaw, but that, that he, he struggles with the faith too, which I found really compelling. And it was very early. I, um, I was in one of the first few episodes, maybe, I can't remember which one, but he's talking to Inara yeah, about. That's what um, I'm, I'm referring to. About uh, the, 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 the other. That's what you. And he says uh, he doesn't want to pray for Mal because, you know, how, how would Mal take it? And Inara turns around and says, I pray for him all the time. I, you don't have to tell him. Well, and um, that's part of it. So, and that also in that bigger scene, he comes to her saying, I think I've made a mistake. I've fallen in with criminals and, and, you know, it's yeah, been, yeah, it's, I've yeah. only been here two days and I've, I've, 
laid hands on a man, you know, and, and violence and all this stuff. And visually, mm-hmm. it shows him kneeling down and her reaching out a yes. hand and ministering to him. Yeah. Okay, now, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. Joss, I get this whole thing is about subversion of expectations. But this one, and maybe it's because I'm a man of faith, this one feels so deliberately, not untrue, but deliberately subversive, like a like an adolescent trying to curse to impress his parents. Like there's just something that mm. really was against the grain with me in that imagery. Like so such deliberate imagery too. Like even they just do it in silhouette. It's like right. her ministering to the mm. preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well, Whedon's Whedon's use of light is magnificent. Um and, and we could I mean, well if we if we do this long term I mean, it, it would be worth looking at certain scenes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I, I'm betting. I, I'll bet the bank. You've seen uh, Doctor Horrible. Yes. Um, his use of his use of light and dark um, in in that little you know series was was beautifully done. And so I guess I guess you're right. But I don't know. I took a different. Uh, I took a I had a different takeaway from that Mac. I really thought that it showed um, it showed that he was human. Mm-hmm. And 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 was failing uh, in, in that moment, and uh, and it also shows Inara's great love and 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 deep humanity. You know, we we yep. don't associate that with a oh, we're not supposed to call her a whore, but a courtesan or whatever they call her in the show. But companion, I, I liked it. <laughs> companion, Registered. I really liked it. <laughs> Registered. So, <laughs> I think. I think one of the things that it, that that scene kind of conveys is that grace comes in from unexpected directions many times mm-hmm. that that we expect yes. it always to come from preacher on down. And I mean, and I don't know whether Whedon intended it. It could have been an adolescent like fingering uh, of, of, of thumbing his nose at at religion because Whedon is famously not a religious person. But um, but it, it I think maybe there unintentionally. The, it came across as like like grace can come from an unexpected direction from the from the prostitute to the preacher in at times because even the preacher needs ministering and when his faith is failing hers wasn't and and, and again it's that subversion you don't expect her to be someone who prays and and yet here she is she she admits it that she prays for Mal I mean there's this I mean we haven't even talked about the relationship between Anara and Mal this this tension. Where everyone, I mean, it's it's the one thing that sort of feels like a bit of a trope, which is everyone knows they really like each other uh, and that they're using uh, this barbed language to kind of hide it. it. You know, it's that's a that's something we have seen a lot. But even in this, the, the repartee is clever. Um, it creates uh, a bit of t- attention. And over time, it resolves a little bit, not not completely, but we do get a little bit bit of a uh, movement in the relationship so uh, uh, i'll give him a pass on that but but it but it's it's a great it's a great tension relationship but like the man the man of honor who is the thief and the woman of of ill repute who actually has a heart of gold and them trying to to deal with it she's not a woman of ill repute though that's what's interesting about this world in this world she is not a woman of ill repute she is a companion she brings respectability to the ship she is honored well, and respected and revered in, in a lot in, of these different worlds in certain circles I have to have to point out at the in the in the high class or the upper class or the wealthy circles she's respected 
but just like in the Star Wars universe, and I, yeah. I guess Star Trek too, but we, we've got, we're on the outer rim of the civilized world. So right. it's got a whole different structure and class and culture out there because even book is like, is this what life is like out here, out here being the outer rim of planets where they've been terraformed. And right. I think they introduced that in the pilot they, they terraform them and then they drop a couple of, you know, like basically colonists and some cattle and uh, some supplies and say, good luck. Vaya con Dios. You know. But they, uh, for whatever, just like when they colonized the New World and they would bring over single women to marry in, you know, when they were sent, the French did it in, in French Canada, um, they bring over the women to help them colonize and settle the land. That's what. That's uh, a little different. That's not what, what they're bringing. Doing. That's not what they're bringing Anar and the companions out there for. But it's it's kind of like they're, I don't know, they're they're bringing them out there and they're they're meeting that basic need but they're doing it with a little bit of civilization class culture they're refined it makes them feel yeah. like they're back in those civilized central central worlds again Anara, but anara is doing most of her business in the inner worlds where it's wealthy and not so much in those poor hard scrabble outer worlds they do encounter women doing that out there in one of the not so great episodes. Uh, There's more to Inara though, because yeah. if you she's they they make reference to it, but we never really learn it. She has gone out on her own. She's trapped. Right. Uh, that's the first thing that I thought of again when I watched her renting the shuttle, her being on that shuttle, and and she's trapped. All her business is done in the shuttle. She's not in a a home. She's not. Uh, you know, she doesn't actually align herself with any one person. Although many try to buy her and keep her. She's always on the shuttle. She wants her freedom, but at the same time, I get the impression that she's she's cocooned herself, so to speak. But she's cut ties. She's separated, kind of like Book. Book has left the Abbey and gone out into the right. world, and he's pulled away and separated from his foundational training and belief, too. Well, isn't that true that everyone in this pretty much has cut ties to their life and are and it's to each other that they bound each, bound themselves? I mean, that's that's, that's very true here, like whether it's Wash and Zoe and Mal and Jane, whatever his background is, and uh, Simon and and River. I mean, we really haven't talked about Simon and River yet. We probably should, um, because um, they the, the the story around River kind of the, she kind of becomes a fulcrum that the story ends up revolving around a bit. Um, she is. Uh, you, you know, an ex human experiment by the Alliance scientists and um, has these powers and skills that have overwhelmed her mind. And she's now schizophrenic. And but yet she has these abilities and she's both a child and yet a super soldier in some ways. Um, and, and and she's a bit of a chaotic element in this ship. Uh, if you think about it, I mean, everyone kind of fits in somewhere. But but uh, River kind of. Um, she doesn't she, she she's she does unexpected things. She causes sometimes she causes problems. Sometimes she causes an unexpected solution, as we see. Uh, he was out of gas, wasn't it? Or uh, no, um, the other one where the the bounty hunter comes on board. Um, so I mean, so I mean, what do you think? I mean, of course, in the in the movie Serenity, it's a whole different ball of wax for, for River. But so but what do you think about this Simon? And I, I put them together always because it's just they're in they're inseparable. They're almost like. Twins in that in that case. What do you think about their their place in this story? I've kind of thrown that out there. You know, crickets. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, in, Simon's in, not in my any, favorite character. Yeah, in any other story, I think 
like the river aspect would be re- really fascinating. But to me, that what what is supposed to be like the central mystery of the show pales in comparison to the characterizations of the, the rest of the family members. And then, right. as as I said earlier, I mean, Simon is not a particularly likable character. And I think they try to soften him up as they develop his relationship with with um, Kaylee. But you still don't really like him that much. I mean, he he cares for his sister and that endears him to the hearts of audiences a little bit. They do a better job in the movie, I think, with make getting him getting you to like him more because right. you actually see him in action, you know, rescuing kind of, River. He well, kind of Jay tries that. to get rid of them. That's true. Right. Jane, Jane tries to get rid of them. Yeah. And uh and, every opportunity. And then gets caught in a fanta <laughs> yeah. And then and then in that in that one episode when they were on the um when they were stealing the medical stuff so right. that Simon could do the uh, testing on her. Uh Ariel. Um, yeah. Uh, Ariel. He um he gets busted by Mal in a really bad way. Right. And uh, and I think that we see a real interesting dynamic in there. But but the bottom line, and we can talk about that later when we're talking about Jane. But but nobody wants them. They're curious. They're different. They're too much. They're you know. And plus, he started off his whole relationship on the ship lying and hiding her. Who hides a person in the baggage? Right. You know. Um, it, it, he was not uh, he was not likable from the beginning, and he was aloof uh, a bit from the beginning and uh, standoffish a bit. Which you, know, you understand now why he was because he was afraid of them finding uh, River. But well, not just that, but that it's a narrative device for you to wonder for like, and they don't make enough of it. I mean, yeah. it's a mystery for thirty seconds who the mole is on the right. ship in the first episode, but they deliberately put him in so such standoffish and kind of a jerk. So that you you think it's him, right? But again, that that they waste the device because it only lasts thirty seconds, and you set up a character who's not that likable. So oh. as I said, it's a near perfect pilot, but to me, that's that's the biggest flaw of the whole thing. And then Fox he's ruined snow, it by snowy. showing this after yeah, we knew that snob. he was, yeah, yeah, he is. A, I mean, he's a snob. he represents that upper crust, upper elite, upper class. Yeah. He's you know brilliant and smart and and an, a surgeon in in one of the you know central planets and he's never been out on the outer rim and and now yeah, he's, he's had water, this right yeah right right so he represents every they don't know anything about probably him and he has no idea it's a culture clash and so there's a lot of um, uh, stereotyping going on between the two and that's what causes that tension there and then I understand him transporting her because you know the this we don't know until much later blue hands and all that how how dire the situation is I mean and we finally says it took him two years of of basically everything he owned to get them get her out and they put her in this cryo sleep so that he could safely get her to a place where he could awaken her gently and and take care of her. He hasn't even seen or spoken to her in over two to three years, maybe four, what she's supposed to, she went there at 14 and she's probably 17 or 18 now. And so, so he's trying to reunite this family and she's completely broken and he has no idea what they've done to her. Yeah. So that's why. And so here comes Mal pops the, the, the cryo and he's like, ah, he, he really, He's afraid and he's out of place. He is, like you said, a fish out of water. So, um, Maria, you were going to 
uh, mention Jane, and I like that this aspect of Jane. He's also not just a heavy, um, but he 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 has um, uh, d- dubious loyalties, shall we say, uh, uh, with regard to uh, Mal. Um, that you know he's loyal to a, to a degree until maybe someone comes along with a better deal or when his neck is on the line, and then he he really steps over that line in that episode in Ariel, um, and. Yeah, we're wor- we worry whether Mel is what's Mel going to do to Jane at this point, because I think by that point, we're all sort of attached to him because this is yeah. this is after Jane Town, uh, of course, uh, he is now the hero of Canton <laughs> right. uh, and uh, which is and, a city in Georgia, by the way, and uh, the, my, the, my hometown that I grew up in in, uh, in Massachusetts. Um, so, you know, so he uh, so we're worried about him. And but it's it's an interesting again, yet another interesting. He's not a throwaway character. There's something interesting about Jane even in this, uh, even as often as he plays the heavy, the guy who's, who who often puts out the the makes the suggestion in discussions that is the immoral thing or the bad thing to do or the selfish thing to do. So so as to be a contrast to what Mal will eventually right. do. Uh, but even then, he still has a character and depth to him that that endears him. I mean, people love Jane uh, down to the fact that he, that. Well, there's a. Used to wear the hat in, in that in that scene. That, that's right. We all liked it. I, did you have one of those hats? I did. Um, <laughs> I, I think that his mom. Everybody should love their mom like that. Yes. But you know he. Um, it, it's that dichotomy again of the human condition. He's a jerk. He really is capital J jerk. And yet, at, in the, in that particular scene, when when Mal really rebukes him and almost kills him. Um, that he doesn't he doesn't want to know he doesn't want the rest of the crew to know that he was the one that was that betrayed them right it didn't work that way but he he did he betrayed them and you know i don't know i just kind of felt sorry for him in that scene that that he he had some remorse it, it, it's i sometimes think like if he had been working for say badger or nishka or something like that one of the real bad guys he would be an evil dude. He would he, he would e- easily mm-hmm. have fallen, you know, deep into that evil lifestyle. And so, but he's so he's kind of lucky or graced or you know blessed that he's got at least someone like Mal to kind of re- rein him in, maybe point him a different direction. You know, you like to think that after five or ten years, whatever, with Mal and as much time as he had with Shepherd Book, maybe it was just enough of a nudge that he it saved him from something worse. I mean, it- well, even, even in the first episode, when, when Mal says to him, uh, he tried to buy you out, didn't he? He says, <laughs> yes. Yeah. says, well, why didn't you? He says, because the money wasn't good enough. And Mal asks him, so what happens when the money's good enough? And Jane says in an uncharacteristically uh, articulate way, he says, well, Mal, that will be an interesting day. <laughs> and so it plants the seed <laughs> in kind of a ha ha bro way for, I will sell you down the river and right. I am a wild card, you know? <laughs> and Mal is, Mal is amused at that line. If you notice, he's kind of got that, uh-huh, I know it. And, but the other part of Jane's character is that he's hilarious. Yes. He is truly funny. I, I think about, there's a, there's a scene in the movie Serenity when they've made it off that planet at the beginning and they're, they're throwing, he and somebody else are, are throwing bodies into this, into this pit in the ship. They're going to jettison them into space. And Jane is talking about the Reavers. And he says, 
eating people when they're still alive. When does that get fun? That is such a funny line. Like, because you're, you're like, like you think that's when a comedian says something that you think, you know what? That's so true. Like I've never thought that, but it's, it's totally true to me. Or when in, um, in Mrs. Mrs. Malcolm Reynolds. Or Mrs. Reynolds. Ms. Yeah. Mrs. Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah. Mrs. Reynolds. When, when, uh, Mal is just not having a great day and he comes out of his bunk and there's Jane with the gun. You know, and and Mal just kind of takes a gulp, and Jane's describing the gun, and he said he hands it to him. Says it's my favorite gun. <laughs> I, I want to, and it, the implication is I want to trade the gun for your wife. You know, is that Vera? Such, is that Vera? Is that Vera? Vera. Is that Vera. Vera. Now the most brilliant part of that that interaction is narratively that is laying the groundwork for the action scene at the end of the episode that gets him out of the bind. So you, so it's like almost like nothing in this show is wasted. It is brilliantly structured to where I'm going to add a depth and a twist to this character and make it funny, but yet we're going to use it later. Right. So I just shake my head and I think that is why people get paid to do what they do because they're really good at it. They're writing this stuff. (laughs) That's That's right. That's right. So that's my favorite episode, by the way. Or Mrs. Reynolds. Yes. Yeah. And not just listen. The dynamic between Mal and Inara at the end of that episode is so precious. My favorite. So precious. <laughs> that, well, plus, Christina Hendricks was just so great in both of the episodes that she appeared in here. I mean, she goes on to the bigger and better things in Mad Men uh, after this. But but this was one of her early roles. And she's just she just kills it uh, and, and as that kind of crazy character uh, and and then then the reveal uh, the twist that, that comes about do we find out not so crazy after all i mean just it's so good um so uh so I, we probably need to you know bring things to a a, a close here as we we kind of close out what we're what we're uh, doing here and uh, you know i'm going to ask you the impossible question but do you have a favorite episode um one that, or or even just a moment a favorite moment that stands out in the show for you. I, I'm asking the kind of impossible because I'm not sure I can, <laughs> I can pick a single thing. Um, I, I, I guess one of my favorites is out of gas just because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a sort of classic story. The, 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 the ticking clock, how do people behave when all hope is gone? When, when they, you know, when, when they're, they're, they're fighting to survive and they think that they've, that they've lost it all. How do people behave in that sort of moment? I really, I, I if I had to pick one uh, tomorrow, I'll, I'd pick a different one, but right now I'm picking that one. Uh, d- yeah, does anybody and, have something? And what's great about that episode is it's sweetened or it's seasoned rather with this wonderful device of flashbacks. Right. That, that give you the backstory to several of the characters and their interactions. with And like, Dude, Wash's mustache makes that episode <laughs> worth it alone. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Alan Dudek with the mustache. Uh, we haven't even really talked about how about Wash and and Alan Tudyk. How often he just he improvised a lot of like we talk about how, how great of a writer Whedon is. Uh, Tudyk makes him look great sometimes because he's making he's he's improvising that whole first scene with the dinosaurs was you know uh, curse your your uh, oh I always mess it up but it's one of my favorite things curse your curse your 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 your, uh, your sudden uh, yet inevitable <laughs> yeah, betrayal sudden, but in, that's it that's it that's it so I mean funny. it's such a great moment where you like you think he's being this very serious pilot you know when you for only 
first hear his voice and then you see like he's playing with toys on his desk on his the console uh yeah we didn't really get even talk uh, that much about about that you aspect with, of Wash. you with the bathing do we, me with do the we have very bathing. much backstory on Wash <laughs> other than he came highly recommended was it a, a recommendations as long as my leg was that what was that he said yeah uh, when, when Zoe says, there's something about him I don't like, sir. Well, your something is going against uh, recommendations, uh, a list of recommendations as long as my leg. But uh, but we don't really, he, he's got some of the, like you say, just some of the greatest lines. I don't know how many of them are ad-libbed, you know. Right. Oh, God, oh, God, we're all going to die. Yeah, what he does in that <laughs> monotone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and when he and when he and Mal really start yelling at each other, you know, Mal's like, you got to do something. I'm doing everything I can. You got to boost the signal. I don't know what you mean. You know, we'll amplify this. Well, what's that going to do? I mean, all it's going to do is make somebody stop and come around and have to scram, scramble it. And, and then they're, they're going to, they're going to find us and all right, well, you don't have to be all up in my face about it. Well, no, he ends it with, well, then maybe I should do that. Maybe yeah. that's it. That's yeah. it. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So funny. So great. So does anyone else have a, a favorite, a favorite episode or just a moment that really stands out for them uh, above others? For the, for the, I mean, it's, it's an impossible task. I know. I but. already told you mine. It, it's, it's the moment where Zoe walks yeah. in and, and has to choose between Wash and, and Mal. And for whatever reason of, all the episodes and, and the movie, that's the one that immediately comes to mind. It's that such a decisive moment, just not even a hesitation. Boom. Yep. Decision. I, I, yeah, I, I have, I have a, Mrs. Reynolds was mine. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, Mrs. Reynolds, okay. Yeah. Mac? In mine, I hate, I hate to talk about a whole episode because, because I love all my children the same. But, uh, <laughs> but there are, there are moments that make a show stand but differently. out. differently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There are moments that make a show stand out to me. Moments that like you, for some reason you internalize and like you end up doing in your life. There's an episode where, where Kaylee it's the one where she gets shot. I don't, is it maybe? Oh, it's the, 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 pilot. the, pilot, the pilot. pilot. Yeah. Where, With where the strawberries? They, they move. No, no. <laughs> oh. They move her into the engine room and she's trying to tell book and Jane how to fix oh, the yes. engine. And there's one point where she <laughs> says to Jane to do something and he's looking everywhere and she's pointing and she says, look, look where I'm pointing. (laughs) And there's something about the way you talk to a child like that. I have literally said that to other adults in my life. And it always pays off with, they realize I'm being a jackass to them. And, but it's so worth it. Right. That's that's, she doesn't say it like it's, she's being a a jerk to him. She's just, she's such an innocent, yeah. Yeah. Happy. What is it with? There's no power in the verse that could stop Kaylee from being cheerful. And there's times you just want to duct tape her mouth. But that's in the hole. That scene is, it comes that, that same moment sort of shows up in the force awakens when Ray is, is trying to get Finn to, to, Mm -hmm. to grab the, the tool or the, the what's it's over there. And she's like, you're right there, there, the, the one I'm pointing at that one. Yes. No, that one I'm pointing at. I mean, I'm, you're right. I do this with my kids all day long. And there's, there's one other, ep- there's one other moment in the show that kind of perfectly encapsulates like not necessarily what the show's about, but the vibe that you're going to get of the show and the rhythm of the show, which is it's in the train job when he's got the humongous dude tied up outside the ship. And he yeah. says, I want you to take this back to Nishka. Is that his name? Yes. Nishka. Mm-hmm. And yes. tell him we didn't realize what the job was, you know, and 
we're going to give him back the money. And the guy says, I will never stop searching for you. Mal's just like shakes his head and kicks him into the engine. Right. <laughs> and then he, the next That's guy, what I mean about and Mal. you just see the frame, the frame shot. The next guy le- kneels down in the frame and says, I want you to take this back. And the guy says, take it back to Nishka. You're giving him a minute back. I got it. No problem. I'll do it. Like, that is such a funny, like not just visually, but snappy writing. Um, it's so well crafted. That is the show to me. Right. That's what you can expect from this show. Oh, so that's one of my favorite dialect. Well, you know what? Well, you know where the other part of it is um, with with Kaylee and how much they have become a family. And I can't remember the episode, but they've gone shopping. And she picks up uh, the most the ridiculous dress, the frilly dress. Right? It was at the shindig. Yeah, and and they and they celebrate her dress, and she's just God bless her. She's just ridiculous, and they know it, and they love her for it. I love you know, her. I thought that was sweet. I love her relationship with Anara. That that big sister, little sister yes. thing they get going, and I really hey do. I love that. Hey you. That's what they yeah. say to each other. Hey, you. Hey, you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we could we could go on and on and on, and we maybe we will when if we because uh, this has been so much fun, uh, and I think we need to come back and we need to live in the uh, the Firefly universe in the verse for a little while longer. So maybe uh, we can look forward to that in the in the near future. A uh, Secrets of Firefly uh, series for us where we will go through each episode and do some of the same thing. So, uh, but let us know if that's something you'd like to, to do for us to do. Um, so let us, and, and you know, uh, are you a fan of Firefly? Did you watch it from the beginning? Uh, is it something you picked up later? Did, did someone sit you down in front of a TV and said, look, you're going to sit here and I'm going to show you this and you're going to love it. Uh, you know, <laughs> if, if you had any of those experiences or anything like that, you let us know, go to uh, sqpn.com slash secrets or to the SQPN Facebook page, uh, find this, the, the link to this show there and leave us some feedback, uh, write a comment or send us an email to secrets at SQPN.com uh, and, and let us know what you think, what you think of the idea of doing a Secrets of Firefly uh, s- series and, and your experience with Firefly. Uh, like I said before, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, tune in and remember to write a review for us. Reviews are very important for uh, the algorithms that that show people, hey, you might be interested in the show. Uh, like it, comment on it, share it, help us to, to, to grow our audience. Uh, until next time, Mac Barron, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Firefly. Thanks for having me. This is so great. So fun. Uh, Shelly Kelly, thank you. It's been shiny. <laughs> and Maria Johnson, <laughs> thank you as well. Oh, you guys are awesome. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. And remember, I'm a leaf on the wind. Watch me soar. This is Dom Bettinelli again. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and that you'll help us keep producing the podcast you love. Thank you for your generosity. To make your pledge and find out about the free thank you gifts we'd like to send you, visit sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give.